While You Were Folding, Episode 6, Youth Ministry with Eric Zimmerman. Hi, I'm Katherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. Most importantly, it's a great excuse to connect with and learn from like-minded women who are committed to beginning again each day. I won't pretend to be an expert, but I will ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Welcome back to the show. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that this podcast has given me to reach out and connect with other people. Please continue to allow this ministry to bless others and help us to know that we are not alone in our vocations as wives and mothers, and help us to lift one another up and to be the body of Christ to one another. We ask this especially as we listen to my interview today with Eric Zimmerman about youth ministry. Help us to, to lift up our youth ministers, to help encourage them, and to help serve them in whatever way we can, whether it's through intercessory prayer at home, or reaching out and helping with baked goods, or helping to lead a different ministry at the parish. Our youth ministers work so hard and so tirelessly on behalf of the youth of our church. So please encourage us to reach out and find our youth minister and figure out ways that we can reach out and support them in whatever way we feel called to by you. We ask this through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I am recording this on a Friday afternoon at the end of Catholic Schools Week. And for those of you who are not part of a Catholic school, have no exposure to Catholic schools, This is a fun-filled week full of different theme dress days and all kinds of excitement for the kids. And my kids got out at noon today, and they are absolutely exhausted. So our oldest, Jane, the second grader, she's having some quiet time down here, but everyone else is taking a nap. So I'm going to try and squeeze this in as best I can before nap time ends. So Catholic Schools Week, I thought this would be a fun chance for me to quickly do a little bit of sharing about how much I love the Catholic school that we get to be a part of and how I think it's really unique and share some ideas that are happening at our school in the hopes that maybe you'll consider taking them to your parish. So our school, St. Joseph's, here in Lincoln, Nebraska, just in the last two years, has started taking on what's called the Inclusive Catholic Education Program. And this program is dedicated to ensuring that we as a parish, we call ourselves pro-life. And part of that is making sure that we as a school are able to open our doors to as many students as possible that want to be there. So in our parish, that means that we have some children, and even those who live outside of the parish, 
who are interested in receiving a Catholic education who never thought it was possible before because their children have special needs of varying degrees. And we as a school did not have the resources, the personnel, the training to take on students that had special needs. But fortunately, we as a parish decided that whether or not we were perfectly equipped to get this program started, we trusted that God would provide. And while we do not believe that we are meeting the needs of all of our children that have special needs perfectly, we thought starting was the first best step. So under the guidance of our pastor and our wonderful sister, school sisters of Christ the King, our teacher has, our school has taken on this mission, and I am so excited to see this happening within our school. We have children of all kinds of abilities, intellectual abilities, physical abilities, and our children, being as young as they are, will never know Catholic education being any different. Whereas my husband and I, who both went to Catholic school, for grade school and high school, did not get to attend school with children who had special needs beyond a very mild learning disability. So that is just so exciting to see. And I'm thrilled for families that have children with special needs that they are able to feel that they're more fully integrated into the community than they ever dreamed they would be able to at the school. So that is fantastic. And actually, this weekend, we have a fundraiser called Cana, where we will have a dinner and auction. And all of the proceeds from that evening are going to go toward our inclusive Catholic education program. So we hope that we will be able to better equip our teachers to take on the educational needs that these children are going to have at school. And also make sure that the entire school community is equipped to help all of our students as best we can. So please say a prayer for that program. I would love to hear from all of you. Maybe you have a Catholic school that has really been pioneering and taking on children that have special needs in ways that are beautiful and awesome. I would love to hear about that. Please email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com because I want to pass along all of the resources and throw as much as we possibly can to support this initiative at our parish. A couple other things that I love about the school where our children attend. I grew up in Omaha, which is just about an hour away, and we got to attend Mass once a week, which was wonderful, but I had no idea that these kids in Lincoln, just down the road, were attending daily Mass every single day at school. And so my children get to begin their day with daily mass. It starts in kindergarten where they start attending. Oh, I want to say they start going around Christmas time full time and then get to go every now and then before that. But they get to go to daily mass every day as part of their school. And then on Thursdays this year, our bishop, Bishop Conley, he wrote a pastoral letter on the beauty of the Eucharist called Love Made Visible. And our school has taken that on as our theme for the school year. And so our students have the opportunity on Thursdays to attend adoration. And for those of you who aren't Catholic, adoration 
is an opportunity for us to go and worship and be in front of the Eucharist, which we believe is Christ made visible to the world. And so the theme for our school year, Love Made Visible, that's our effort and initiative to try and encourage the students to embrace that love and absolute adoration of Christ our Lord in the Eucharist. So on Thursdays, our kids get to be a part of that. And something else that's really unique about the Lincoln Catholic schools in general is we have the school sisters of Christ the King in a lot of the schools. And we have a couple of other sisters. I can't remember. I think they're the sisters of mercy. Correct me. I know they're at some other parishes in town, but at our parish, we have the school sisters of Christ the King. And they are these absolutely beautiful faith-filled women who are helping to educate our children. And our daughter, Jane, actually has one of the sisters as her classroom teacher this year. And I had the opportunity to interview her and talk about her vocation story. So I can't wait to share that with you, hopefully in a couple weeks here. Um, but because we have these wonderful sisters helping to be a part of our children's education, that cuts down on the cost, the burden of the school to give a layperson a salary that they would need to have otherwise. And because of that, and because of the wonderful stewardship program we have at our parish, Catholic education is no longer a status symbol. It's not for the elite. There's financial assistance available. And also we have parish boundaries in the Diocese of Lincoln. So if you live in a specific area of the city, you are going to go to a certain parish. So there's not the opportunity to get to choose which parish you're going to go to. If you're going to send that child to that Catholic school, that is where your child is expected to attend. And your tuition agreement is based on where your home is in the area. So in our parish, if you live in the parish boundaries, if you wanted to pay tuition for one child, it costs approximately $1,000 a year for that child to attend the school. But if you live outside of the parish boundaries, it would cost you $5,500 for one child for the year. And so because of this, the parish boundaries create a really tight-knit community for us. If you all live in the same area and the person is Catholic, you know that they're going to, unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance, they in all likelihood attend the same parish as you. So when we moved here a couple of years ago, we were meeting all kinds of people at the school playground in the summer before the school started up or just at mass on Sundays. And we were able to make really quick friendships. And that was really beautiful. In other areas where parish boundaries are not as strongly enforced, such as where we were before we moved here, it's really difficult to find your community when you're a stay-at-home mom because you're not necessarily going to find people from your parish in your neighborhood because people tend to shop around to find the parish that suits their liturgical tastes, whether they want to go to the mass that has Gregorian chant or you want to go to the Tridentine mass. And so depending on what you're looking for in a school, what you're looking for in your liturgical celebration, you might be driving 30 minutes across town 
instead of going to the church that's actually in your neighborhood. And so you don't have that built-in community that we have when you have a parish boundary that is strongly enforced across the diocese. So I have been a huge proponent of this. However, it did make finding a home very difficult because we had identified the part of town we wanted to live in based on the church, the parish that we wanted our children to attend. So we were very limited in our scope of homes that we could purchase based on where we wanted to be in town. But God provided. That's a total God story how all of that came to be. But we just absolutely love it here. I know we're not supposed to be too attached to our parish or our priests or anything like that because we are a pilgrim people. And the good news as Catholics is no matter where we are or who the priest is, we still get the same Jesus in the sacraments. So praise you, Jesus, for that. Um, But we just absolutely love it here. And I had to just share a couple things that I really love about our parish. But like I said, I am so passionate about this Catholic education program, the Inclusive Catholic Education Program. And I really would love to hear if you know anything about initiatives across the country or in other countries where Catholic schools are taking on more personnel, more resources, so that they can better equip and better serve both the children that have special needs and the greater community as well, because this is an issue we should all be invested in. If we're going to call ourselves pro-life, let's make sure and open our school doors as best we can, because let's face it, at the end of the day, there will be times when some of our children have profound special needs that we may not be able to equip them with, at least at this point. Hopefully, God willing, in a perfect world someday, we will be able to open our doors to every single child and educate them as best we can, a typical child. But where we are now, we're making progress, and that's a beautiful thing. So please fill me in. Let me know what you know about this issue, and please email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. So today I am speaking with Eric Zimmerman. He is our parish youth minister. He is crazy busy as a full-time college senior finishing up his last semester as a student teacher. And we just found out that he has a new job that he has accepted with Focus as a Focus missionary. But before we get to all of that, Eric is from Lincoln. He was raised in the parish that we are a part of and that he is serving right now. And we had a great conversation about what life is like as a youth minister, what his unique challenges are, what he wishes parents knew, and how we can help out as lay people. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I wanted you to come on today. You are our parish youth minister, and that's how I know you. But before we get into what it's like to be a youth minister at a large Catholic parish, I want us to go back in time, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us a bit about your family, your faith background, and what it was like for you growing up in your home. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I am born and raised in Lincoln. Um, I was baptized in St. Teresa's. We did a quick move to St. Joe's right after that. Uh, I have been at St. Joe's technically as a parishioner now for about 21 years. Uh, I was in there for grade school, 
uh, graduated eighth grade in 2010, uh, went on into Pius, graduated there in 2014, and now I'm a senior at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln studying secondary education, English, and language arts. Um, so yeah, kind of my faith journey is really, I grew up in a awesome Catholic family. You know, we were very diligent about making it to Mass every Sunday. Um, my parents, I remember a few times growing up in grade school where there'd be like a traveling Fatima statue or something that you'd have a rosary with it and we'd make time to sit down as a family and pray the rosary together. Uh, but as far as my own faith, you know, it really never really clicked with me up until I got into high school. Um, all my catechesis kind of came from Catholic schools, which I'm so thankful for. Um, my parents, my mom was raised Catholic, and my dad is actually a convert to the church. He became Catholic when he married my mom. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of with my dad not knowing as much about the faith, um, a lot more of my faith was really discovered through that Catholic education. I think that my parents kind of realized that, that they weren't going to be the experts um, and they were going to seek out those resources that were going to set myself and my siblings up for kind of success within the faith. Um, I went on in high school. My faith journey was kind of like I was going in and I was saying, yeah, like I'm going to be a great Catholic. I'm going to go to mass all the time. But <laughs> as I kind of went on, it's way harder to do than you mm -hmm. actually think. Um, and in high school, it was really easy to kind of slip out of those habits that we've had growing up in St. Joe's, where we go to Mass every day, we have confession kind of put into our schedule for the month and the semester, um, and where I was still going to Mass, you know, I was still like always going to Mass on Sundays, but it felt like this really big disconnect for me. So can uh, I pause you right there real yes. quick? Because uh, for those who are outside of outside of Lincoln, I think it's really like what you just said is huge. And a lot of people take that for granted that live here, that here in Lincoln, the elementary Catholic schools, the children attend mass every day. That yes. is not the norm across the country. So when you say you were at mass every day, that's because you had all school mass every day at St. Joseph's. Mm -hmm. So yes. then you transitioned to high school. And so what happened? Yeah, and so in high school, that daily mass element is no longer uh, as a part of this daily schedule. Uh, there is mass available every morning at Pius, which is where I went to high school, obviously. Um, and they and would that's have the Catholic high school here in town. The Catholic high school uh -huh, here in town. And we would have all school masses maybe once a month, uh, a few more if there was a holy day or something special that was going on. But other than that, it really wasn't a part of my daily routine anymore. And as a result, that kind of daily graces that I was receiving when I was in elementary school and junior high, I was no longer receiving when I went into Pius. Um, and I didn't realize that it was kind of a slow change where I just wasn't feeling the happiest that I would have been. Um, for me, what it really was is that the friend group that I had kind of chosen to hang out with in high school um, wasn't pushing me to be the best man that I could be, both in a worldly aspect, but also in a faith aspect as a Catholic man. 
um, the friendships that were in high school, they're all like, you know, fun friendships. We would hang out on the weekends, um, really enjoy each other's company, but there wasn't an aspect of growth. And there mm-hmm. wasn't really an aspect of that communal sense of striving for faith with one another. Um, I think that was where I really felt a disconnect in high school. Um, that's where my faith journey kind of like started to be shaken up a little bit. Um, if that kind of makes sense, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was because you were in a position where you were finally having to take ownership of things and it was up to your own initiative to make things happen. So if you were going to go to mass daily, it was up to you. It was no longer built in. So it was up to Eric Zimmerman to make sure that was happening. And it sounds like because it wasn't part of the day to day that it was easy to make it slip away. Yes, definitely. And you know, I would see other groups of friends that would make an effort to go to mass early in the mornings uh, with each other. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. But I knew that I would never be able to get my friends, the ones that I hung out with every day and all every weekend to go to mass in the mornings. Um, and I think that was kind of my, the biggest kind of grief that I had within high school for me. So transitioning to high school, going from a Catholic grade school here in town, and there are multiple of them. Mm-hmm. And then we have just the one Catholic high school. Did it seem like more often than not, people would stick with their same friendship groups that they had from junior high and try to maintain those into high school as the default? Or did you and a lot of your peers try to have a clean slate start over again as freshmen? Yeah, I think that uh, with my experience with the kids that I went to high school with, um, from St. Joe's, a lot of us really stayed connected Um from grade school and even on into high school or into high school and then college as well now mm-hmm. where a lot of us have remained uh, friends but when you're introducing all these new kids and everyone's kind of just kind of find where they belong uh, you're moving in and out of friend groups constantly in high school mm-hmm. where you'll add people or you'll be taken away or then you're dropped off so I think that the friend groups in high school were going in everyone's like oh we're gonna stay best friends and that really wasn't always gonna be the case um you're gonna find out where you best fit and even after that if you think that you found the best fit but then something happens uh you might be looking at finding new friends in high school as well so i think it's kind of just a fluid process sure for each individual and then at this point you became involved in the god teens program yes yeah, And so I know we'll I, get more into that as your role as a youth minister, but I imagine that had a big impact both on you as a participant and then in you choosing to take on this role as a youth minister. Did you want to speak to that yet or did you want to get into that more yeah. as the minister? I think um, definitely as a student, from looking at things from the student side, um, I was so fortunate to have some amazing God Teens parents. Can you explain what the program is for those who maybe haven't heard about God Teens before? Yes. So God Teens is a program for high school age students um, within the parish boundaries for each individual parish within the Lincoln area, Lincoln Diocese. Some areas have it and some don't. But for my parish at St. Joseph's, we had... I think three groups that were going in my for my graduating class and 
what it is is about eight to however many students are put with this family uh, that volunteers their time for about four years to be the spiritual leaders of these students. So they're essentially spiritually adopting a big bunch of high school students, which as a high school student, you don't really think about how much of a commitment that is. Mm -hmm. You think that they're like, oh yeah, they've always wanted to do this and they're going to love to have (laughs) me. And you're very naive to the fact of, man, like these parents have lives and so much going on outside of me. Um, But as a freshman, I was going in, I was with a great bunch of students. Uh, We were all pretty really close friends in grade school, and then we were kind of planning to continue that into high school. Um, and we were blessed with the McQuillans. It was Heather and Chris McQuillan who had us from freshman to sophomore year, and then they ended up moving to Holdridge for a um, job position. So we are all very upset about that because we said, oh, no one's ever going to be able to replace them because we love them so much. And, and then... We then. Were, yes, then we were blessed <laughs> with another... Um, equally amazing couple, uh, the Goobles, who are St. Joe's parishioners currently. It's Scott and Sarah. Uh, This is going into our junior year. And junior year is kind of a time where, you know, high school is really beating down you. There's a lot of really hard courses. We're getting ready for the ACT, college prep. There's just a lot of stuff going on. And being thrown into this new family that we didn't have a connection with, uh, was pretty scary as a junior in high school. And all of us in the group had this text message going on saying, we're not going to go because we want to <laughs> remain true to the McQuillans or whatever it was. But we ended up going, and even through that, that's just kind of where the Holy Spirit took the Goobles and ran with them. Um, it was in those weekly meetings that we would have uh, both at the McQuillans and the Google's houses where all of us would come together, we'd pray, we'd share what was going on in our lives, um, and then we'd kind of just talk and share in community and really just kind of let the Holy Spirit work with us and work through us uh, with one another. And it was probably one of the highlights of my high school career. So would you say that God Teens was a big contributor to you coming around and having more ownership over your faith as a high school student and really opening to your eyes what, with what God was trying to do with your life? Yes, definitely. And I think one of the biggest uh, drives for me um, was having these couples that are were spiritually adopting us. So having a new mother in Christ and a new father in Christ that on top of my own parents were just as invested in my faith journey. Um, They would challenge us weekly. And I remember, for example, Sarah Goobles and Scott when it was Lent or maybe Advent, but one of the two, (laughs) they were saying, what are you going to do to prepare your heart for Christ uh, for this coming season? Now, we want you to write down one word that you're going to like implement. And I remember that I wrote down steadfast. Wow. Uh, I just wanted to remain steadfast and kind of like my pursuit towards Christ at that moment. Um, and I remember after I wrote that down, as everyone was leaving, I was, I would always kind of hang back and talk with the parents just because I really loved them and loved the community that we had. And 
we would talk about high school, about kind of my ambitions, about what was going on in my life. And both of them were just very supportive in my pursuit for Christ at that time in my life. Um, and yeah, I think that they just were role models for me at the time of what it meant to live out your life for Christ fully. Wow. So it sounds like at the beginning of high school, you were in a place of, oh man, I'm kind of floundering. I don't have the accountability of daily mass going on. And then you come into this ministry called God Teens and you have these weekly meetings in someone else's home. And let's face it, no matter how awesome your relationship is with your parents as a, as a high school student, there's just some things where you're not able to open up in the same mm-hmm. way where you could with another pair of parents that are bringing you into their home. And then you're with your peers as well. So you hear them alongside you opening up about whatever their struggles might be. And you're able to be real, be vulnerable. And I think it's so beautiful. And it's a unique program because traditionally, and we'll get to this a little bit later on in our conversation, that is so different than the typical stereotypical high school youth group where you have a big group of high school students coming in and a youth minister with more bodies than what they as one person are able to succeed in building intimate relationships, finding out what's going on with these kids. God teens is able to break it down and you have both a male and a female coming together in a family context And you see them raising their family. And it's a beautiful thing. I love that. I love hearing (laughs) what your experience was with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, I think, for me, the, um, like you said, the intentionality that is available through the God Teens program, um, both from student and parent. As a student, you know, I felt like I was more, I was able to be heard more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those smaller group settings than I was able to, you know, in like my theology classes or various youth groups growing up. Um, and I think that is really where the community, that intentionality um, and that accountability really started to spark within my faith. Um, and those have been some things that now as I'm on into college are still key elements that drive me as a young Catholic man. Let's talk about college, unless you had something else to add about your time in high school, if there was anything else going on that would be part of your story in your faith formation. Yeah, um, you know, just as far as the rest of high school goes, um, one of my biggest conversions was probably going on a retreat in high school called the Teens Encounter Christ or Tech Retreat. Um, and that was kind of right after I had decided that these friend groups weren't probably the best for me. Um, you know, coming to those conclusions through programs like God Teens and then enacting on those conclusions that I made and then really not having a really solid formation or a solid foundation of friends to fall back on other than my God Teens groups. Mm -hmm. Um, that from there I went on this retreat and I found amazing people across all of the Lincoln dioceses. So small towns around the area that I found a bunch of really great, especially Catholic men that were also on fire for their faith and wanted to know Christ more fully. Um, and through those relationships, it was that I, in those I realized that there is so much more 
to the faith and there's so much more that I can explore about the faith with the people around me. And that's kind of where I kind of got into college. As I said earlier, I'm a student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, senior this year. Woohoo! Yeah, oh, and I'm so excited. <laughs> Graduating in May. <laughs> All right. Yes. Um, but in college, you know, when you're looking for where you're going to go to college and what you're going to study, uh, there was a, a new element to that kind of search when I was also having this really strong desire to grow in my faith. Um, at first, kind of before I went on tech and met all these amazing people, I was like, I'm going to go as far away as possible. I think I sent my ACT scores to Anchorage, Alaska, nice. just like in hopes <laughs> of getting really far away. Didn't really think it too well through, but, um, I ended up deciding to go to UNL here in Lincoln, um, really because of the Newman Center and because I knew that a lot of my friends that were on fire for the faith were also going there. So, so tell everyone yeah. that is not from Nebraska mm -hmm. everything about the Newman Center. What is this place? Before yeah. I came to UNL, I'm from Omaha. Before I came to UNL, I had no idea what the Newman Center was all about. So what is it? What happens there? Why were you excited about it? Because this is a yeah. big secular campus. So oh, for definitely. you to choose going all through Catholic grade school, and then onto the Catholic high school to choose this big secular campus because of its Newman Center says a lot. So what's mm -hmm. going on there? Yeah, so uh, the Newman Center on UNL's campus is called St. Thomas Aquinas. What's um, a Newman Center for those who don't know what that is? Yeah, basically it is a Catholic church on campus uh, where students are able to go and they have a ton of resources like Bible studies, um, retreats, mass, confession, adoration, you name it, your Newman Center will probably have it. And if not, then there are other resources that are able to be found there. Um, at UNL specifically, it's a pretty big Newman Center. Nationally, it's very well known um, just because of various conferences that the students at UNL will go to are very dominated by kids from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, I think that is a testament to the pastor and associate pastor that we have now and that we've had before, which currently it's Father Robert Mattia and Father Stephen Mills. Um, both of them are amazing spiritual fathers for the students on campus. Amen. Yes. Oh, they're amazing. And before that, it was Father Ben Holdren, who was uh, the associate pastor, um, who was also equally as amazing as Father Mills. And really, they are a huge driving force on campus. Um, and I knew that going into or coming from Pius and going to the university, you heard about the Newman Center and you heard about all the amazing things that were going on there because Lincoln is a small town in that essence, you know, like the word travels fast. Um, and so I wanted to kind of go and figure out what was going on down there, why all these college kids were still really involved in their faith, because that is not the cultural norm 
And so I, was, I think it was just a really big curiosity about, like, what do they have down there? And so I decided to go there and kind of check this place out, which at the time they were still building the new church that we now have. And so we were in this temporary church, really small and kind of falling apart. Um, I remember I was there one time hanging out. I think I was baking cupcakes in the basement. And there was like a flood, a flash flood across campus. And water was just pouring in the basement into <laughs> Father Holdren's office all over his stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So we got these really big buckets and just started trying to catch the water. <laughs> um, so, But now we're at this brand new church, uh, which is massive it's a beautiful testament to what is going on down at the newman center it kind of just embodies the beauty that we have um and yeah i think that was kind of the biggest drive for me is figuring out what's going on down there getting myself involved and uh finding that community in college that i was kind of striving for so at this point you're very committed and invested in your faith and you've surrounded yourself with other like-minded people who are trying to get to know Jesus, figure out what God wants of them in their lives when they're figuring mm-hmm. out their vocations. So um, at this point, you're getting closer and closer to Christ and you're starting to think long-term, what am I doing with my life? Had you mm-hmm. declared your major pretty early on? Yeah, so um, initially I went into college with advertising and public relations. Um, Really? Yeah, and for me, you know, in that major, it was a very interesting major. I learned a lot, but there was something missing still. I realized that I really had this strong desire on my heart to work with people to help others kind of find their way. I really was kind of, I think I was just trying to help people in in essence. Um, And so I realized that in advertising and public relations, you know, I can do that, but it's more of like a business aspect. It's kind of felt about more like the money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had always had teaching kind of on my mind and I never really wanted to admit it, but I finally was like, okay, this advertising thing isn't for me. Let me switch to teaching. And in that college is where Christ kind of drew myself close to that desire to help others um, and really kind of blew it up. You know, I love working with my students. I love working in public schools as well as private schools just because I think that there's a need really everywhere um, to live out your faith, even if it's not in a private school. I can live out my faith in the public schools in Lincoln and my students might not even know that I'm Catholic, but they can see that I am kind of living in like the embodiment of a Catholic. A lot of them kind of figured it out, even though I never specifically told them, Mm -hmm. they just kind of guessed, which was funny to me. Um, But I think, yeah. And one of the biggest things for my job now is that what, the desire to kind of create, uh, I think it was like a radical call to mission, um, was really what Christ was putting on my heart at the time that I decided to go into teaching. Uh, and now it's still, he's still calling me to do that in various aspects of my life every day in youth ministry. And then even past that. So at this point you have, 
you were a junior when you took on this role as youth minister at St. Joseph's. Yeah, I think actually... Um, or were you just was, ending your sophomore year? My It was about halfway through my sophomore year, actually. Um, You're I had my just hero. Gone, How did you do this? <laughs> I, it, was, it wasn't me, believe me. It was uh, very much the Holy Spirit working. Um, and it was kind of the process of getting involved with my home parish actually came from college and my experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a student leadership summit through Focus, which is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Um, and it was there that it was just this, again, this radical call to mission, this radical call to live as a disciple of Christ in every aspect of our life. And kind of like this idea that we're all called in different ways. And when we went home from this big conference to like figure out where Christ was calling us. And I remember as a sophomore, I'm sitting in this massive, massive, basically just like a, I don't even know what to call it. Like a convention center. Convention center, yeah. And all these other students are around me. We're in adoration. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, Jesus, like, where do you want me to go? You know, I'm at the Newman Center. I could lead a Bible study if you want me to. Um, like, what? Do, like, just what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And I had remembered just then that a few, like a month and a half beforehand, one of my friends had said, oh, St. Joe's is looking for an assistant youth minister. And in my head at the time, I was like, who wants to do that job? (laughs) Um, It was not on the radar at all. Mm. But in this moment, in adoration at this convention with all these other college students, there was this really big call from Christ saying, Eric, I want you to look into this. And I'm sitting there and kind of just this, all right, like, I'll look into it, Christ. If that's what you want me to do, like, I'll look into it. And as I left this conference, I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm just (laughs) getting into college. It's my sophomore year. Yeah. So I feel like I haven't really been away from Pius and St. Joe's all that long. Um, And I felt very nervous about going back um, because who am I to kind of come back and work as a youth minister? I'm sure that was really intimidating. Very, very much so. But um, that is where, you know, Christ was calling me and the Holy Spirit was moving me. You're like David. So, God says, don't tell me you're too young. Yes. And I've got I'm like, this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm there. I'm like, okay, like, well, let's go. <laughs> and I um, ended up texting the current youth minister at the time and meeting up for coffee with him. And kind of chatting for about 10 minutes maybe and then him going okay so when you start the job I go oh and I didn't really have time to you know (laughs) accept a position uh it kind of just like happened where all of a sudden I'm there now and I didn't really I took it as a sign like okay Christ this is where you want me to go um and I really just jumped into it from there uh with the next semester as a sophomore year I finished out the year at St. Joe's with them um and then on to the summer and it was in the summer that the current youth minister at the time uh, decided to move on to a different position uh, some in Omaha with the Omaha Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. So when he left, then the whole brunt of youth ministry then fell to me, which as a 
junior in college who has had no experience you know, running a parish youth ministry before, really no experience running anything by myself before, I was given this huge stack of programs and info and said, all right, like, this is yours, now run with it. And I was just absolutely shooken like, to my core. <laughs> Baptism by fire. Yes. And so I, again, took it and ran with it. Um, and a lot of it was that it wasn't me at the time. It was just Christ was definitely working through me. Um, what I kind of realized at the time, you know, still in college uh, as a full-time student with now this full-time job and still trying to be an active participant in the Newman Center. At that time, I was on the Newman Executive Board. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so there that's was, a full plate. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. So I'm kind of realizing, you know, man, I can't do this all myself. Um, and I reached out to a few friends at the time who I knew were strong in their faith, who had a really great personality that I knew could work with students. Um, and I, at my junior year, I hired on my first assistant, Claire Fike, um, who is a year older than me. I grew up, or I went to high school with her, and she came on and was amazing with the students. They all loved her. Um, and then this year, I have a new assistant uh, whose name is Cannon Howell, who is my age, one of my really good friends, uh, who I knew had a great heart, a great love for Christ, and wanted to share that with others. So really, it's just been a bunch of college kids running this parish youth ministry program for a couple of years now, and we're kind of making it up as we go, but loving every moment of it. It is absolutely insane to me that you have been able to take on this full-time job as a college student, and you have one assistant, who both of which, Claire and Cannon, have both done a phenomenal job. But let's do let's take a step back and talk about yeah. the overview of being a youth minister. What are all of the different things that that entails for you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so um, each semester... Um, I'm working with basically about oh, five to six programs um, that I'm intentionally working with each week, um, three of which I'm meeting with each week. So I have morning groups for the junior high kids. I have evening groups for some of the high school students. Then I have visits to the God Teens programs, um, working with Totus Tuis, which is a summer Bible school camp sort of a thing um, that happens at our parish for about a week. So there's just a lot of various components that can come into being youth minister that at the time when I had the position, I didn't really know all of them. And I've been working with them now for about two years um, and figuring them out and figuring out what, how each one of them works, how they don't work, how I can reform them. Um, and really just like what is going to best serve the needs of the students that I work with. If you could magically put all of your energy and time into one ministry, if you had to choose just one that you could work on exclusively, which one would you say you see as bearing the most fruit that you would like to see grow and be able to 
be even more successful because you believe in it so much? Yeah. Uh, for me, I love working with my high school students. Um, the program that I meet with once a week is called Jesus in Java, which I don't even know why it's called that anymore because we don't have coffee at all. We have games and then we end the night with prayer every night. But Didn't they used those, to meet at a coffee shop? They used to meet at a coffee shop and we got kicked out because we were too loud. There you go. That, I think that was it. And I tried it once and we got kicked out of there too. I was like, oh, maybe we'll make our own coffee. Um, but that program, if I could invest all of my time and all of my resources into those students, um, I would do it. They are amazing. This year has been probably the biggest year for growth with that program. How many come um, on average? I think that, so last year we had about 10 students that would kind of come on average. Mm-hmm. And this year we went way over that. Um, I think that now the average is about 15 to 25, give or take, just because high school students are insanely busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you have but, some drop out for seasons when they have different yes. things going on and then uh-huh. come back. Yeah. So for like a few, when it, things were the least busy for the students, I think that the most we ever had in one room was about 30 kids. Um, and wow. that was just like insane to me that all these students had, you know, realized that this was something fun in their faith that they really liked, went and told their friends about it at school and then brought in other students, some of which weren't even from St. Joe's, but I didn't care. I wasn't going to turn them away. I wanted everyone <laughs> to come in. Show us um, your St. Joseph's parish card for Yes, entrance. seriously. <laughs> and I was just blown away. Um, one of the biggest things for me was that a lot more guys were coming. And I think that as a Catholic, there's so often, as a Catholic male, it's so often very female-dominated. It's very hard to kind of get into your faith when mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of other guys around. Yeah. So when I think one time the group was outnumbered, the girls were outnumbered by the guys. I'm like, this wow. is awesome. Um, That's impressive. Yes. And I think that is just, has been the highlight of my year so far is getting to know all these new students from different parishes even um, and getting to ha- have fun with them sharing community, but then also bring it back to prayer every night. So I think that's a good segue to another question I have, because in preparation for our chat today, I did a quick search on Facebook for Catholic youth ministry inspiration and different ideas for youth ministers. And since Philip and I have been doing God Teens, I'm always looking for different things for us to do with Mm -hmm. our group. But it seems like for most of them, most youth ministry programs revolve around the traditional youth group, which is like we were talking about before, the really big group of high school students and one youth minister, maybe two, if they're lucky. Yep. And every single resource as a huge generalization seems to be icebreakers, fun games. And I think that those have an awesome time and place. I think that they are necessary when you are trying to build up community and get the kids to open up and trust you. But how do you, as a youth minister, 
especially in this ministry, Jesus and Java, or when you're meeting with some of these other groups, how do you try to move beyond the fun and the superficial? And what do you think about that as a generalization for high school youth ministry and junior high youth ministry? That Definitely. Do you see that going on as the phenomenon of that's the norm and that it's difficult to bridge the gap from the superficial icebreaker to talking about this is what I'm struggling with? with my relationship with God, or I don't even believe that there is a God right now. Yeah, definitely. For um, for me, in my experience with this, um, each youth, or each, say, Jesus and Java group, uh, is different each week. And that's because we're constantly adding new people. Uh, other ones are leaving because of sports and there's just kind of a constant flux of who's coming in and out. We have a pretty solid core group, but then new ones are always kind of uh, coming in. So as youth minister, you know, you're thinking, okay, how am I going to appeal to these new students while also giving the students that want a little bit more uh, the opportunity for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if I could invest all my time and resources into this, I would. Uh but as with my own experience uh, in high school and then as in this position, I have noticed that a lot of times community is one of the biggest things that you can do for students. Um, and so sometimes it can just be we're going to play games all night and then we'll pray at the end of the night. And then other times where... If you are, I don't even, if you are kind of investing in the students that you're working with each week, you're coming, you're putting a lot of energy into the games you make, um, you know, the activities that you plan. It shows them a lot that A, you care about them, Mm -hmm. but B, that you're around, that, you know, I am then a voice that or an ear that they can go and talk to. And so what I've noticed this past year especially is that after a year of youth ministry under my belt and working with a bunch of students, that they are more willing to open up to me. So a lot of students will, you know, shoot me a message on Remind um, saying, hey, can we come over a half hour before? And I'll say, sure. And I'll go and I'll kind of set up whatever we're going to do for that night. But then I get to talk with the students that come in and they go, this is what's going on. I don't really know how to feel about this. And we kind of sit down, we pray, we talk it through. I offer some input of my own experience and I try to get their input. And um, really, I think that that wouldn't be an opportunity if we weren't already formed as a friendship and as a community. Oh, I think that's Um, awesome. I imagine when you were in high school and you were in that God Teens program, some of your most memorable conversations were what you were talking about before when you stayed after and you had those heart to hearts with the Goobles and you were able to say, "Uh, I'm not sure about my future plans or I'm struggling with this friend or whatever the situation was. And those are the things that stand out to you. And you had spent two hours 
previously in a meeting and they had spent all this time doing the game, doing whatever it was mm-hmm. you had done that night. But it was the 20 minute conversation afterward that yes. that stuck with you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as a youth minister and thinking, you know, as you're getting ready for the night, you're behind schedule, you're coming from class and you're going to be late to go to the grocery store to pick up all the snacks. But you, for me, making the time for the students when they need it is the most crucial element to youth ministry. Um, because if they have the courage to trust you as a person with Christ, as a, a friend in Christ, that is where Christ has the most power within youth ministry. Uh, that is really where I think Christ is calling youth ministers is to have those intentional conversations in smaller groups. Um, Cause big groups is awesome. And it's really great to hear a bunch of people's input. But in my own experience, for example, I'm thinking about just one as it comes to mind. Um, we were playing a, it was like a Catholic Jenga. So there was like different questions on the Jenga uh, little bricks or whatever they are, the little pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like little conversation starters. And I was really like prompting for a specific question and kind of like looking to go deeper. And it just like was a silent group. And I remember one of the kids goes, guys, we know what he wants. Just answer it. <laughs> and that's when it hit me. I'm like, man, these kids, they know the faith mm-hmm. in their heads. They know it. Like they've been taught this for years. They've gone to CCD or Catholic school and they know what the head answer is. But their heart answers are still kind of in a flux. Yeah. And I think that for the students that I work with is some of the biggest kind of struggles that we work with. And those answers are much more willing to come out if it's a smaller group. Just because I think that in big groups, it's it's scary to start to share, um, especially if it's your first time sharing anything with your faith. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So it sounds like a challenge you have as a youth minister, because in Lincoln, Lincoln is so unique because our kids receive the sacrament of confirmation when they're fifth graders. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they get to you as the youth minister, when they're in junior high and high school, they are most of the time completed with religious education, because unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of families view the sacrament of confirmation as some sort of a graduation from their religious education. So how do you keep, not that you want to feel like you're using your skills in advertising (laughs) to get these kids, (laughs) but at the same time, you want to hold on to them and bring them in and continue to make the faith exciting. So how do you feel like, what are your biggest challenges in that area? And what's attendance looking like for those kids? Is it mostly the kids that are coming from the Catholic high school that are participating? Are you able to reach the public school students? What is going on in that area for you as a youth minister? Yeah, I think for me, um, what I want to do as youth minister to make it exciting is appeal to the generation. So posting some of the fun things that we do on Instagram um, and then 
letting the students kind of like show all their friends like, oh yeah, look at this like fun thing that we did last night at Juice and Java. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, that's where the students that are having fun and coming and will tell their friends about it. And I remember a few of the students brought their friends that went to public school that weren't even in our uh, St. Joseph's Parish either. They were on the other end of Lincoln. So kids that I never would have reached, but they were coming to my youth ministry group. And I think for them, especially um, the way to make the faith appealing to this younger generation to really my generation as well um, is to just like show how big and how universal the church really is and how alive it is with young people. Um, I always encourage my students to go on really big conferences to educate themselves on the faith because at a certain point in your faith journey, you're not going to be having your hand held anymore as you're going through theology classes or CCD. Eventually, it's going to come to the time where you have to figure out where you want to go with your faith. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen through who your friends are and if they're going to take that step of growing in their faith with you. I was just going to say, I think... Lincoln is so unique. I affectionately call it the Catholic Mecca of Nebraska because we have so many awesome faith-filled Catholic people here, which is awesome and beautiful. But at the same time, when you have these young people leaving this area, they go off to college somewhere else, it's easy for them to feel alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. So the advice of going to these big conferences, I think is right on and going Mm -hmm. to a World Youth Day, going to the Focus Student Leadership Summit. It's mm-hmm. this opportunity to see, wow, I am not alone. And there are all of these other people who are trying to, their best to live out their faith. Because yeah. when I was in high school, I felt, even though I was at a Catholic all-girls high school in Omaha, I felt like I was definitely in the minority. And if I had known that there were things like this going on, it would have been so much easier for me going off to college to feel more confident and able to live out my faith. Definitely. And I mean, you know, we see that within the church, in the church history. Um, The disciples were all really just a bunch of buddies that were on fire for their faith, that wanted to follow Christ and follow him together. And they each, you know, chose their own individual paths of like where their strengths were. But they all had this like common thread of community, which if you notice, like community is huge for me and I keep saying it and I feel Mm -hmm. like a broken record. But as a youth minister, as a young adult in the Catholic Church, I think that that is where Christ is alive within those relationships with one another. Um, Because we are, I mean, we're a communal church. Mm -hmm. We are a universal church. I think that's where I was able to kind of grow in my faith is just like through those relationships with one another. Yeah, absolutely. Because after college, you're going to graduate here in the spring, and you're going to leave the Newman Center behind. But you will be able to leave the Newman Center knowing that you're not alone, and you have those tools to be able to continue on with those godly, virtuous friendships that you've formed there. And when geography separates you from those friends that you've made, you're able to still continue on with forming those new friendships as well. And it's awesome. 
I just love yeah. that. I want to know what are the things that you wish the parents of the kids that you're serving knew? What do you think that the average parent maybe doesn't know about their junior high, high school student that you think would help them so much in helping to raise a faith filled child? Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, the thing that I've noticed the most is that um, I think that there's a certain kind of stigma or cultural idea that we should try to shelter our students as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that having that, the naive idea that our students aren't going to be exposed to certain things if we don't talk about it is very detrimental to uh, the kids. Because of social media, because of really just the internet as a whole, the things that these kids are exposed to are becoming so much more prevalent and it are coming so much earlier than is I've, I've really ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that for me, for my advice to parents is to be involved with your students, um, to sit down with your kids, have an open and honest conversation about the things that they're experiencing in high school and really just being involved in that conversation is going to be one of the key elements to growing in their faith. Because if we are a church that's kind of like trying to combat the secular world that we're living in, we need to be able to talk about it. It's not going to help us at all if we're not having these conversations that need to be having, that we need to have. Um, just because, I mean, depression rates in students nowadays are just so high And it's because of that isolation, you know, that social media isolates the kids. They feel like they're alone and then they aren't really talking about it with their peers or their parents. And so I think that's my like big, big plug, I would say, for parents. What sorts of topics do you see coming up over and over again? I know pornography has been something that um, my peer group has been talking about a lot just because the average exposure for young people is getting younger and younger and younger. I think the last statistic I heard was that the average age for first time exposure to pornography is nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I think that blows most parents' minds. They cannot even fathom a nine year old coming across pornography, but it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Do you see pornography as a big issue or other issues as coming up over and over again? Yeah, I think, you know, along with pornography, that is. I think it's one like that's more of like the shocker one that mm-hmm. parents are gonna like see, but like, no way, like that can't happen to my kid. But really, it can and it will. Yeah. Um, the other one is just the kind of negative environment that the students are in daily if they are constantly on social media. Um, one of my biggest things I see within students in middle school, high school, college all across the board is the kind of like Instagram phase where you're constantly comparing yourselves to your peers. Um, You're constantly like told this idea that you're not good enough because you're not doing these things. You're not going out and having a lot of fun with these friends or you're not as pretty as so-and-so or so-and-so is way better at sports. Um, That is really one of the biggest kind of, 
detriments I've seen to our students today in the fact that they are really hurting. And it's a lot of the roots of it come from social media because in social media, you can be mean to one another behind each other's backs. Um, you can compare yourself. You just feel alone. And so that's one of the things I work with quite a bit um, with some of my own students as well. Yeah, because the comparison thing, that was prevalent for everyone when I was in high school. And that was back, I graduated 2003. And Facebook was still a couple years away after that. Mm -hmm. It didn't even come out till I was a sophomore in college. And so you were able to, once school was out, you were on your own. And Mm -hmm. if you were like me, you had a teen line (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you would use to call your friends. And beyond that, maybe you were on AOL Instant Messenger, but that was pretty much it. You didn't have (laughs) the social media in your face around the clock. And you didn't need someone with social media. You don't need someone to tell you you're not good enough. You just need to look at the image to have that seed planted in your head to have the idea of, oh, I'm not all the things that you just said, pretty enough, athletic enough, popular enough, whatever. Yeah, I imagine that is a big problem that you must face right now. That leads me to one of my last questions. I've heard a lot of arguments recently that we need to get rid of the traditional model of youth ministry, that it is up to the parents to be the primary educators for our children, and the parents should be the one catechizing. We shouldn't depend on our religious education programs and our youth ministers to do all of that. And while I can see that, yes, that would be the ideal, let's face it, it's not happening in every household, and not every parent feels equipped to take on that role because maybe their formation in their faith wasn't as awesome. Or maybe they're feeling guilt over something they've done in their life and they would feel like a hypocrite taking on that role. And so it's a broken world. So mm-hmm. you serving as a youth minister, how do you respond to that idea that we need to abandon youth ministry and focus our efforts on the adult ministry in parish yeah. life? I think that for me, that it, the idea that we need to kind of more focus on the adult ministry is a very good idea. Uh, I do agree that parents a lot of times should be the primary uh, catechizers in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a difference between having a a conversation with your parents and having conversations with a friend or an outside source. Um, When kids come to me and they're having these conversations with me, a lot of times it's conversations that if I was back in their shoes, I wouldn't want to have with my parents either. Sure. Um, you know, it's, uh, you feel a little bit more safe, I guess, if you're talking to someone that isn't directly linked to your family. Um, just because there's different communities that we're, we live in. And if you are growing up in a family that isn't really conversational if you don't really talk about those things then you're not going to talk about it um and so i would say that youth ministry needs to still be a part but also i think that parents are equally in need of ministry as well um i think that parent groups where adults will get together have bible studies have weekly or monthly meetings where they get to explore their faith as well, and they're making their faith their own. To then pass along to their kids is also a great idea and a great direction that I think that as a church we need to kind of explore more. 
Um, and as a parish, I think that we need to explore more as well, because I think as, you know, now as I'm getting older and I'm thinking about what kind of community do I want to have as an adult, I would love to be in a community where I'm with other families, I get to explore my faith with them, and we get to talk about how we're going to raise our kids. Um, I hear that same thing over and over again. I can't think yeah. of the number of times I've heard someone say, we need focus, but for adults. Yes. <laughs> the Fellowship of Catholic University Students is what that stands for, for those who haven't yes. heard it. But because it doesn't end when you're mm-hmm. done with college, you still need that community that you keep talking about. And I've mentioned it on the podcast in previous episodes. You want your tribe. You want those people around you that both come from a place of belief and are able to help build you up and you can build them up. It's so it's we have to be together. Mm-hmm. Any closing thoughts? on youth ministry before we move to our fun closer? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, for me, the the call to ministry is really for all of us. Um, the idea of me being youth minister within the parish is, yes, that is my job, but we're all called to be youth ministers. We're all called to be disciples of Christ and to live in in his mission for the church. Um, you know, whether that's through getting involved in your parish, in youth ministry, uh, getting involved in your campus, getting involved with focus, whatever it is, Christ has like a specific call for each of us for his mission in our church, um, in the ministry of our church. And for me, my biggest journey has come from the small yeses that I make every day that lead to the opportunities for me to say bigger yeses. And that's where Christ is able to live in my day-to-day life. Um, So I would just encourage for those of you that are listening to really listen to where Christ is calling you, uh, give him the opportunity to, and start off by just doing some small yeses and see where it goes. I love it. I love it. I love it. That was beautiful. Thank (laughs) Thank you. Well, speaking of yeses, I would love for you to share with the audience your latest yes. What is in store for Eric around the corner? Yes. So um, I'm, I'm very excited. I have recently just accepted a position uh, with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, uh, to be a missionary on the college campus uh, for about two years is what I'm signed up for right now. And it's a, it's a big leap of faith, you know, going from the yes to going to the Newman Center to going on SLS to be a youth minister and then now coming back full circle to the organization that led me to be a youth minister and saying yes to that. Uh, I'm, I'm just very thankful for the time that I've had as a youth minister. I'm very excited for my next step. Um, and I really just... I'm so thankful for the support that I've had at St. Joe's and within my family and friends. Um, And I'm excited to see where Christ takes me next. Well, you are going to do awesome work. And I hope that God continues to bless you in your ministry with focus, because I believe so strongly in what they do. I, 
I think focus is responsible for me having, I never fell away from the faith in college, but the Newman Center at UNL, it played a big, big role in faith becoming a central part of my life. So I am just so excited for the lives that you are going to impact as a focus missionary. I think you're going to do awesome work, Eric. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm selfishly very sad for us though. Yes. (laughs) Just counting on the Holy Spirit to provide someone else that's going to be yes. equally awesome. Hopefully, well, we're we're praying that Christ sends St. Joe's um, someone that is able to take over my position and run with it and go even further than what I ever could have done. So we're just trusting the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, you're leaving it in a good spot, so we're grateful for that. Let's go ahead and end with some fun closer questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, Eric Zimmerman, I want to know, what is your biggest pet peeve? I absolutely hate uh, slow turners while I'm driving. (laughs) It's really, that's like where one of my biggest faults is, is I am not patient when I'm driving because I'm normally really late. So I got to get places fast. And if I'm stuck behind someone that's turning really slow I get very frustrated (laughs) you know what I have a question for you as someone who is from Omaha I did not notice this until I moved to Lincoln that it is a thing in Lincoln if you are approaching a corner okay first of all in Lincoln there are almost no stop signs Mm -hmm. in residential areas you just approach every intersection assuming you may have to stop because there's someone else coming the other way so that's Mm -hmm. thing number one in Omaha Mm -hmm. there are stop signs at every intersection Thing number two, when you are approaching an intersection, people will cut the corner. You cannot plan on going all the way up to the corner and stopping because the person turning onto your street may cut the corner. Have Mm -hmm. you noticed this? Yep. All the time. All. (laughs) And it's very nerve wracking as a driver. You're like, please do not hit me. (laughs) I will add to your pet peeve and say the cutting the corners thing is very strange here in Lincoln. I don't understand this. Okay. Um, in 400 years, what will Eric Zimmerman be the patron saint of? Uh, I think I would, uh, I would love to be the patron saint of... Road rage. Not road rage. That'd be bad. <laughs> um, maybe just kind of like small yeses or acceptance. Um, something along those lines. The modern St. Therese. Yes, I'd love that. I like it. <laughs> What is your most useless talent? I I have this thing that I can do where I'll sound like Chewbacca, <laughs> you know, like with my throat. It might not work the best on here. Just well, yeah, you have to do it on here. <laughs> I know. Let me get a drink of water first. Hold <laughs> okay, up. okay. It's like my uvula in the back, I'm pretty sure. But I don't really know. I've never looked. But it kind of it goes... <laughs> That's the best I can do right now. Okay, one more. One more. Okay, okay. (laughs) My question is, how did you discover this? I really don't know. I think I was doing it to annoy my sisters growing up, and it still works. (laughs) Oh, my son, Walt, the first grader, is going to die when he hears this. That is amazing. I love it. It's not a useless talent. Walt will Good. officially think you are the coolest human being there ever was. Oh, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, Eric, thank you so much for giving of your time and for sharing what it's like to be a youth minister. That is just a larger than life job. And I'm so impressed that you've been able to do that while being a full-time student as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and talk with you and kind of share my story as well. Well, God bless you in your next chapter. I know we still have a few months with you at St. Joseph's, but I'm excited to see what God has in store for you. Yes. Thank you so much. After listening to Eric, I'm sure you are exhausted (laughs) just thinking about all of the different things that he does to serve our parish as a youth minister. Eric, thank you so much for your efforts, and we will be praying for you in your next chapter as a focused missionary. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I am so grateful to all of you for your wonderful ratings and reviews that you have left in iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. I have gotten so much gracious feedback and I thought it would be fun to share a couple of reviews. Let's see. Kyle S520 says, I love that this opened in prayer. Catherine has such a calming, familiar voice. I listen to her while nursing in the middle of the night and I actually don't dread waking up. (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you so much for that review. Lynn Kincaid says, loving this podcast so far, just what I needed. Thank you, Lynn. And one more, it says, who can find her is her username. As a mom with young kids, this podcast is for me like the mental relaxation of a good cup of tea. Something to look forward to for rest and recharging and encouragement. Catherine helps me to be more intentional in the little decisions of the day, gives me courage in the difficult parts of motherhood that are hard to talk about, and makes me feel like I'm not alone. Can't wait to hear more. Thank you so much who can find her. That was so gracious and kind of you to share those kind words. Thank you to all of you for passing along your feedback. I have received so many emails and I can't read them all today, but I will continue to share your feedback on the show. A lot of you have been contacting me with your book recommendations and I cannot get enough of them. So thank you for sending those along, especially those of you who have been sharing fiction recommendations because that is not my strong suit. I am a total nonfiction junkie. And so all of your fiction recommendations have been spot on. So thank you for that. Your homework for next week. I next week am planning on talking about Lent. Lent starts on Valentine's Day, Ash Wednesday this year. And I want to know what are your Lenten plans? Please send me an email at podcast at katherineboucher.com or you can find me on the Facebook page as well. As always, all of the links, resources, things that we mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes of episode six on katherineboucher.com. Just look for the link for while you are folding. And until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding. <laughs>